who's still buffering a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. You're sounding better this week, Riley. I'm sounding better, everybody. I can actually make audible noise. I don't sound (laughs) great, so I'm sorry about that, but I sound better. I'm kind of bummed out because I know that this episode goes up on Halloween Day, and uh, I I think of all the days to have the Crypt Keeper as our third host, this is the one. (laughs) I can still do the Babadook pretty well, though. I believe it. Yeah. Do you want to demonstrate? Or? It, you sounded like you wanted to. Like, hey, let me let me just <laughs> show you my Babadook real quick. And the daily Babadook check-in. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to. <laughs> no, 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 you have to. You no. have to. No. I once sang the Poo Lee song on here, so you absolutely have to. <laughs> to be fair, that's worse for me than you. <laughs> <laughs> Babadook. It's still pretty good. It's still pretty good. I don't know that it's as scary as last week. No. no it's still good though <coughs> you could still pull off a, a, a look with that for halloween if you want yeah. to do a last minute you know yeah um i i will say that you're a lot closer to that like raspy singer voice that you wanted i'm working to have. on it yeah I bet by tomorrow i'll be there yeah i think you're i think you're getting closer to that and further away from i'm sorry what are you speaking <laughs> That was a lot of as i was listening back to the episode from last week it was like i don't even know what i said I'm listening to myself. I spoke these words. What did I say? Was this words? Did I just go? Ah, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> That's what Riley does every week. She just goes. Ah, bah, 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 bah. And we, hey. we respond as if we understand her. It's a big joke we're playing. <laughs> yeah, this is all just been gaslighting you, Riley. You don't actually speak English. <laughs> or any language that humans understand. <laughs> Some sort of frog hybrid language. Uh, it's hard to say. But we love you. This is like a creepy Twilight Zone episode. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't speaking words all along. (laughs) That'd be a really weird Twilight Zone. And we all have pig faces. Mm. (laughs) Now who's beautiful? (laughs) (laughs) And then I break my glasses. No, no. All the books. (laughs) The end. Uh, And then you crawl around the ground and try to find them and then... No, this is not Scooby Doo. This is no, Twilight Zone. Wrong <laughs> reference. Wrong reference. Going to no. <laughs> yeah, it's that classic episode to... of the Twilight Zone where Velma breaks her glasses because <laughs> she's the last person on Earth. And now love, she can't read the books. I love that overlap. <laughs> I knew it wasn't the same thing. It just sounded like it was Scooby Doo in the Twilight Zone. I'm surprised the they didn't zone. have a team up. I mean, they teamed up with like. What the Harlem Globetrotters? Mm-hmm. I think the Ramones at some point. Kiss definitely. Why did that like never like Don't. any Twilight Zone mashup? Weren't there like old school like Laurel and Hardy plus Scooby Doo or something? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. No, <coughs> they I, made the rounds. I don't know that ascot that Fred wears. It seems like something you might see on the Twilight Zone. Yeah. <laughs> of all the things the ascot though <laughs> pretty spooky uh, well, you just keep looking at it and it's like what is it doing there <laughs> why is it happening <laughs> uh style but it is uh it is halloween tomorrow merry the, halloween so well today the day the episode comes out is today yes we'll yes. pretend it's today the last day of spooky season get all the spooks while you can because you know it starts tomorrow christmas, christmas. guys Uh, you know what sorry thanksgiving you didn't try hard enough oh do you want some overcooked turkey maybe this cranberry goo no no (laughs) goodbye going right past you 
uh, just just straight on to Christmas. Sorry about it. I, Turkey Day. I, I will I will say I understand that impulse when it's like now as I get older, I think Thanksgiving is the time where we eat too much food, some of which we don't really want. But like, I guess another casserole. <laughs> I guess I don't know what else. I there's there's up another my plate with a broccoli one and some potato one. <laughs> and there's and a corn one and yeah. a green bean Came one. Came in like a well, trifle dish with donuts <laughs> in it. And that, like, especially now, like as a vegan, like, how, like Thanksgiving is dead to me. It's just like, oh, how did you sneak dairy into the broccoli? Oh, you did it. You found a way. Oh, you covered Everything's it in Cheetos. In okay. I'm, I'm sorry in advance for what I do to sweet potatoes. Seriously, you take an innocent sweet potato and you stuff it full of marshmallows. What do you do? Well, and then I do not put marshmallows on my sweet potatoes, but I do, I do add an ungodly amount of sugar and butter and eggs and cream. All and, the things Taylor can have. Yeah, yeah, and at the end, it is a dessert. It's called the recipe is actually called I think like sweet potato delight. Like it's more of a dessert. It, <laughs> it is it, a delight. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I understand, but like you eat too much. Uh, I guess if you're into to football there's that you partake and then partake um, of football <laughs> and you try to avoid awkward political conversations with family members that you don't see very often mm. and you watch a bunch of floats there's that who's I ever awake too early that. in the morning oh we- i have the whole day off i'm gonna wake up at like 7 a.m and watch some inflatables but you know what Just happens- go out to your front yard <laughs> we you do. know what happens every year Dad comes in my room every year at like 8 in the morning on my day off school. Hey, Rilo, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade's on. You uh, want to watch? You know I used to be, you know I was in you that You know once. I was in it oh, once. No. <laughs> I've lived in New York for what, like 13 years now? I've never once even wanted to go see the parade or see the ball drop for that matter. Like those are just not things. Like it's a subway right away. I'm like, no, definitely no. Definitely my- not no. Well, it, we we always watch it because um, Justin, my husband, and his brothers, <laughs> just in case, in it clarification, uh, and I mean I know you all know, but and his brothers used to um, when they watched the parade when they were little, they would shoot like like fake guns at the screen or like dart guns with little sticky darts, you know, mm-hmm. at the screen when like I guess the inflatables came on they didn't like or they did or i don't know what the rules were exactly but you watch the whole parade and you shoot things at the screen and we have carried on that tradition now first with riley when Mm -hmm. she was little and now with charlie because riley doesn't seem that interested in being up that early anymore yeah i was gonna (laughs) say not not like the shooting things at the tv with with little like sticky darts like that's fine but being up that early no yeah record it and play it when i wake up at noon and i'll do it then well charlie is still confused as to why we're doing this (laughs) it's like i like no, that's a minion. This Tell is Shady, what are you doing? <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> the only one who's off limits is Ho Ho. Right. I did that one year and Justin went, What are you doing? <laughs> you can't shoot Ho Ho. Because then it's s- Christmas. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's not yet. It's still it's still the end of the Halloween season and I hope everyone has their fill of scary movies. Because you don't get them again for another 11 months. You can't watch them again. They're off limits. They vanish <laughs> from existence until next October. Yep. See, I never stop watching horror movies. And so <laughs> this is like when I'm like, oh, all the posers talking about horror movies in the month of October. I've been not sleeping all year. I have a list of movies and shows I want to watch. And I only let myself watch the spooky ones during October. Really? Yeah. See, we, we do some, but it's harder now that 
like Charlie's more aware. We can't watch scary stuff with her around because, you know. Yeah, I had a sick day the bad. other day and I was watching the Saw movies on my sick ah. day and Charlie came in to hang out with me. I was like, well, got to turn this yes, off. Yes, please. <laughs> going to leave this on in front of Charlie. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I, I think an uncle let let me watch Hellraiser when I was like, what, five? <laughs> and I yes. turned out just fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That doesn't explain anything. Um, <laughs> um, but... We, we decided to watch a movie. I don't know that it's a scary movie. She says we. She means all three of us. Yes. Uh, I don't I don't think scary is the word. I spooky. No. Spooky. It's spoo- it deals with spooky subjects, but it is not a scary movie. No. It's a Halloween movie. Is no, it it's, not, it's movie? not based around Halloween. That is not But like a Halloween accurate. movie is like a scary movie that's not scary, but it's like spooky theme. I have no idea what time of year it takes place. I would call it a witch movie. I think that's fair. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. A teen witch, a twitch movie. So we watch The Craft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For, this isn't like a, the rest of the episode is us describing it Guess without telling you what it is. is. And then you send us emails guessing it. No. That would it, be a bad, a, be a a bad s- podcast. Yeah. Uh, I think I. this was probably my like 30th time watching The Craft. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. For you guys, if. I I may be close to that. I, yeah. I watched it again last night. You know, Justin had never seen it. What? What? Yeah, he watched he watched at it. <laughs> Justin, while he played video games, he sort of watched it. But uh, we, but I watched it again last night. Now I I don't know if I'm thirty times seeing it, but a lot. But Riley, that was my second time seeing it. I thought you'd never seen it before. I had seen it once before, long ago, and I vaguely remembered it. So I watched it again. As she explained earlier, she was confusing it with Practical Magic. I was. Um, Another excellent movie. (laughs) Yes. But But very different. Yeah, very different. Way more feel goody than... A little bit of my paths crossed there. Uh, uh, There are witches in both. Well, yes. (laughs) Do you get all movies confused if there are witches? Yeah. (laughs) Then we watch Twitches. I have never seen Twitches. It's the twin witches. Wait, is a twitch a teen witch or a twin witch? Twin both. witch. Oh, okay. Well, they're, they're teen twin witches. Well, yeah, they're both. It's it's sister sister, right? Yeah. T and Tara oh, Mowry yeah. are twitches. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Why haven't I seen that? <laughs> hey, there's still time. It, it yeah. doesn't disappear yet. This podcast is great and all, but I gotta go watch some twitches now. So this is Taylor. Say bye. <laughs> But we wanted to talk about the craft because I feel like even though it is it's a movie and it's obviously supposed to be kind of spooky it is and a it's movie. about magic and witchcraft and uh, it also I think was very formative for those of us who were growing up in the '90s, uh, especially I think identifying as a as a woman. I I felt very close to that movie as a teen girl. Like this this has a lot to say about me, not necessarily because I had magical powers. I don't, as far as I know. <laughs> but because of the way it treated the characters and the the power that they did have, and I don't know, I thought it was a very important movie to me when I was younger. And I think, Taylor, you probably probably would say the same thing. Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, I, m- me and my friends, we were, I mean, we... <laughs> We were the weirdos, mister. Um, <laughs> and that, I think, you know, just, I was like, it was very much like a staple of probably like a, a year of my life where that we all just became obsessed with like 
like you know like borrowing some of mom's weird tarot books and like trying to perform rituals and <laughs> like yeah it, it 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 you know represented the idea of finding power when you kind of feel like you're at your least like your most powerless stage in life like uh-huh you know female presenting teenager it's it's a hard place to be <laughs> i'm and i it i'm curious riley do you think it well before before i ask you your first impressions of the movie or second i mean sort of first pretty much remember. first watching it as a teen i'd say i think the last time i watched it i probably was like young so it so the craft it, in case you're not familiar with it it is a great movie you should see it it it's came on out in 1996 and it is uh basically the story of four teen witches uh three who are already friends at the catholic school that they attend and then they find a fourth when she moves to town and she like completes their coven and then they're able i don't know if hijinks is the word yeah (laughs) a little bit more than hijinks i would would say extra hijinks shenanigans people die yeah but but then they are able to really harness their power because they complete their their circle, and so then the four of them are able to make things really happen. And it goes too far, and uh, like I said, people die. And then at that point, um, it pits the two two of the witches against <laughs> each other in sort of a pseudo good versus evil magic battle. Harry Potter versus Voldemort in the Deathly Hallows, Ex- kind of. Except for that battle. super. I think pseudo good versus evil is correct because I don't think either of the characters are evil. I think one is just given mm-hmm. the the short end of the, of the of the magic stick there with uh, how she's presented in the movie. True, true yeah. magic is neither black nor white, as the owner of the magic store in the movie tells you. Right. <laughs> Thank you, it, Cindy. It's gray, like my favorite kind of Jedi. <laughs> What uh? What were your thoughts, Riley, on the movie? Do you feel like it spoke to you in in that way as a teenage um, girl? I mean, I really liked it. I don't know if it. I don't want to say like it didn't speak to me because like I definitely like liked it and like being a teenager was able to like feel for it in some way. Obviously, not like the the witch aspects. I am mm-hmm. not that. Um, but like the the teen struggles i feel like all those movies about like supernatural teens there's always like that little aspect of like just teen life just like teen probs sure um i think that's important to make it believable for teenagers and i guess it was believable for me in that sense but it also felt like disconnected from me in a way just because it was before my time Mm -hmm. it was like just some of like the conversations they would have and like the language they use and like the fact that none of them had like iPhones <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it makes it like this is not something that would happen for me this is not a conversation I would have because like we don't talk like that we're all on our on the tweeters <laughs> we don't talk anymore <laughs> well I mean if you think about it movies like that like I'm thinking like The Craft Clueless Heathers even Mean Girls, like all those movies centered on teens for teens about teens, mm-hmm. mostly about teenage girls. Um, they don't really exist anymore in the same sense that they did back in the late 80s and 90s. And they don't make mm. them anymore for that. I, I think it's because like the scenarios you can say that take place in these movies back in the ni- 80s and 90s couldn't happen today because like people don't... <laughs> 
interact as much. They don't communicate like that. Yeah. Do you, so you don't even mean just like the uh, changes in like culture and society and the way we talk about things, the language we use and stuff like that. You mean like the actual amount of conversing and stuff yeah. that happens. I think it's a little bit of both. Like it's just not unbelievable for me because like obviously I understand there was a time before there were cell phones before, <laughs> before me. But I have never experienced that. So, like, I, it's just weird for me. Is that, like, pointedly? Because all of those movies you mentioned, uh, a lot of the plot centers around bullying. And, mm-hmm. yeah. it, you know, then to bring up, like, Twitter or whatever, do you think that the bullying has moved to a different format and that's why those sort of conversations don't really, like, ring true to you? Yeah. I mean, if you think about, like, modern teen movies or TV shows that center on bullying, like... 13 reasons why like it's all not all of it most of it is online and it all takes place like people calling each other and texting each other and things being spread and pictures being sent and i mean now every time you make a movie for teenagers or about teenagers you have to include that technology in some aspect or else it's unbelievable that this would ever take place Mm. like you can't just have someone sit and have a conversation back and forth as two teenage characters for more than like two minutes because that's not how that wouldn't happen society works anymore that's really strange i know that's really interesting <laughs> it like this all of a sudden like for teens today dawson's creek would just evaporate it's just all people all it, talking about their feelings i know it's just all a bunch of hyperverbal teenagers like sitting there for hours sharing their thoughts and feelings on things it, it, it could exist, but in some sort of like cross media format where you're just like looking at the people as they sit there on their phones and reading their text messages, which is <laughs> it's actually a device that I see in a lot of like, I mean, I'm thinking horror movies, but in a lot of movies now, like they use that, the kind of pop ups of the like text back and forth to kind of, yeah, yeah. it makes sense in storytelling because you're right. It's kind of the, it, it's one of those elephants in the room when you're trying to present a story in the cinematic world, but you kind of have to get around that thing in real life that you can't pretend doesn't exist so filmmakers just incorporate little text bubbles popping up you know yeah i mean think about like in scary movies now even the you have to get over the hurdle of everyone would have a cell phone it's like you have to come up with some way to either get rid of cell phones or get rid of cell service or make Mm -hmm. it so no one has any form of communication because everyone would have a cell phone now so it's not like you can just make it believable that they're all stranded somewhere and no one has a cell phone well and i i've complained about that because i I think it's such a trope now that it takes me out of the movie instantly as soon as there's that moment where they go like oh we got to figure out what we do with the cell phones i'm like ah that's there it is well it's it's funny because i think you see it solved very cleverly in something like stranger things uh, yeah, just set it time back, back in the 80s. Set it in the 80s. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there you go. Like, you don't... Now you can eliminate all questions, and you don't have to do it through explanation. Like, there is no... Yeah, it's just yeah. It's yeah. a given. Well, that that's even the, like, the weird throwback tone of It Follows, which was a great movie, but I think kind of setting in that, like, slightly off-kilter time period, you kind of yeah. got around that. Like, you, you do. You just can't dr- address modern, like technology unless you just have a really smooth way of getting rid of it which i will say on a side note about the movie one thing i did want to mention that blew my mind as i was thinking about it and this has very little to do with the plot there is a part in the movie where the main character sarah realizes that her father and stepmother have left on a on a flight and then the other witches make her believe that the plane has crashed and that her parents are dead and and they're doing this to you know torment her but the uh, the way that she figures it out, other than one of the characters telling her that they've they're on a plane, 
is that she sees a phone book open to the yellow pages, I'm assuming to an airline, and then a flight number and a time written in the phone book. And as I was looking at this, I started thinking, how did one book flights before the internet? And then I thought, well, I guess you would have to call. Who would you call? An airline. Which airline? How would you know which airline has the (laughs) flight to where you're going? Like, I I need to go to Chicago. How do I figure out? Like, I just call. Do I call the airport and ask them? No, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Just call Chicago. How do I get to you? How do I? (laughs) What? I mean, like, you'd have to. You just have to call airlines and then you have to say like, well, when does that flight leave? And where is your layover? How long is that? Okay, let me write all of this down and then I'm going to call another airline and I'll let you know when I've Don't made a decision. Think there was probably some sort of like directory. There, Well, there were travel agents. Yeah, I was saying, you went to are. travel agents. Yeah. Yeah. But that just, the idea of going to, a, I always think of a travel agent as somebody who like helps with like a big vacation. Right. The idea of going to a travel agent because like I need a flight to one place and back for like a work thing or something seems bizarre to me but I guess you would almost have to because there, there'd be no way uh, how, you'd be on the phone all day can, can you believe how spooky this is Riley years <laughs> ago before we had the internet and phones you had to talk to people all the time about anything you needed you, you had to you had to call people and tell them what kind of pizza you like you have to like call and, and book flights you had to call customer service and you didn't have a computer that like talked to you in a pleasant british accent and walked you through everything you had to talk to a human all the time i think about all the time how much less i would do on a daily basis and how much less i would get done like that I needed to do if I had to call people to get it done. I hate calling people. I can hold a conversation with a person if I have to and I'm face to face with them. Like if I need to go ask someone for something, like I can do that or like go up to a counter and like place an order. But for some reason, calling someone on the phone makes me so uncomfortable. Imagine imagine shopping with a catalog. No. Oh yeah, we used wouldn't. to do that. You would call. You, you would know, have to call. Yeah. <laughs> I used to think whenever I would get the little catalogs, because like, I've again, I've never lived at a time where there weren't computers or the internet uh-huh. that I can remember. Um, I would get those catalogs like for Christmas, like, all right, what circle what toys do you want? Or like, here's mm-hmm. the American Girl catalog. And I'm thinking like, she's going to go through and like search all this and then like put it in online and order it there. Like, what's the point of this? <laughs> I can just look online. <laughs> I'm not going to call anybody <laughs> because it's a, it's from a time when we use phones. I, I don't know. That just, that, that freaked me out as I was sitting there contemplating how difficult it would be to book a flight. Cause we fly fairly often. So I, I think about it a lot now, like, Oh my gosh, booking hotels, and booking yeah. planes and then like a car to get you from the hotel to the pl- oh my gosh so many phone you have to calls call so many people so many phone calls but it is it, it is kind of a cool like weird little time capsule there in that movie because you do think about how like we have to tell stories differently based on what we actually do in our life and that's a lost like that moment in film could not be like how else would you show that somebody booked a flight like, yeah that's the that way the computer is on yeah. and the itinerary is up on the screen. Well, they well no, their what email. would happen because the whole scene falls apart because the reason that they supposedly leave is they can't find her because she doesn't come home after school. She goes to the magic shop instead. And so they think she ran away. To California, but, I believe, which is insane. Or like to like another state. 
our teenage daughter <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, but but like the way that they the like the way that you undo that is they text her and say honey where are you and she says i'm at the magic shop like, yeah okay and yeah. they're like thumbs okay. up emoji all right, well, we're not going to get this flight to San Francisco then. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> See you for dinner. That is, that is a pretty intense conclusion that uh, that it's, it's just her dad jumped to there. Like, uh, yeah. well, okay. My daughter didn't come home after school. She must have fled the state or city. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go find her. Yeah. Um, hmm. Well, I want to talk into like uh, talk about some more of the more particulars of the movie itself. But before we do that, let's check the group message. So what do we have this week on the group message? We have a sponsor to tell you about this week. Yes, we do. This is really exci- exciting. We have told you before, and Riley has uh, clarified that this is in fact true. As an authentic teenager, she can confirm that boot season has arrived. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you don't have to take you don't have to take our word for it because we're just adults. What do we know? I know it's boot season. Get with it. <laughs> and uh, and I bet you want to be a fashion trendsetter. Um, I know I do. I still haven't pulled it off, but I'm working on it. And Just Fab has your back if that's what you're into. Uh, especially if you don't want to have to spend a ton of money to keep up with all the latest styles and does? fashions. No. Who, who has that kind of time and money? So you want to check out JustFab.com right now. Uh, a ton of women already use this, and they say that Just Fab is their favorite site to check out what's new, what what everybody's wearing right now, not just in boots. Let me clarify. All shoes. Well, and all clothing. And accessories. <laughs> so everything. Et ceteras. Et ceteras. Uh, and when you become a JustFab VIP, you save up to 30% off retail prices, plus there what? are a ton of other perks. Yes. So this is a great deal as well. And you can take a quick style quiz to personalize your shopping experience. Uh, every month you'll be charged $40 shopping credit to your account. That can be used for anything on the site. And let's say that there's a month where you don't want to shop. You can easily skip that month and you won't be charged anything for it. So if our listeners want to check this out, Taylor, what should they do? Well, we've got a really cool special deal for you guys. Uh, just for the Still Buffering listeners. Uh, if you go to justfab.com slash buffering now and sign up as a VIP, you get your first style for as low as $10. So you get a whole look for $10. That's justfab.com slash stillbuffering to get your first style for as low as 10 bucks. So check it out, justfab.com slash stillbuffering. Get those boots. <laughs> so the movie itself, uh, there are, there obviously is, is a layer of, um, and this bu- movie, by the way, I was reading, there was a really great Entertainment Weekly article about it, like an oral history of the craft. Which I immediately was like thrilled. I have to read this article. <laughs> I love this movie. Uh, it was kind of an answer to Clueless, which had come out a couple years before. And Clueless was about teenagers, and they were all like, kind of happy and bubbly. In case you all didn't know, Clueless is in my top five favorite movies of all time. It so I love that movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. I am not. This is not me throwing shade at Clueless. It's a great movie. But there's also a flip side to the teenage experience into high school that the craft was kind of about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it is illustrated even further through kind of the device of witchcraft as a way of uh, teenage women being able to reclaim their own power. Right. And this is, you know, metaphorically, obviously they're actually using 
you know, magical powers, but, and, and in a way being able to control their own destinies and, um, control the people around them in a way that maybe they've never been able to before, uh, and find a place, not just, um, in their own life, but I mean, also in high school, like a lot of it is about high school, yeah. the yeah. school experience, you know, a lot of the, the things that happen are centered in how it is perceived and how it how it plays out inside the walls of a high school which like when you look at it through that lens makes it all sound very small now as like an adult but it echoes the what's important to a teenager which is how is this world is high school when you're in high school exactly how is this going to play out at school tomorrow yeah right uh one thing that i thought was very strange looking back on it is that part of the motivating plot part of the part of the plot like motivation for the characters is that Sarah goes on a date with this dude Chris and he's trying to make a move on her and she's not really feeling it and so he takes her home and then the next day apparently he's told everyone at school that they slept together and that that she was quote the worst lay he's ever had gross I mean gross but don't is that is that weird? Is that a thing you think guys don't do? No, it's not. It's not <laughs> that. It's that. Is that? I don't ever remember that being a common like. Like that. That's an insult you would throw at a woman to shame her. I don't know. There was just something about it that felt out of step to me. Like that. That teenagers go around bragging about their sexual prowess, and so then to question one. Like the idea that he would tell everybody that they slept together, that 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 fit for me. That yeah. sounded like a very teenage movie. I don't know. There was something about it that just seemed a little off. For me, I mean, one, that's a thing that never would have been said out loud. Like people would have been talking about like at school. It would have been a thing everyone would have been texting about. Mm-hmm. So like you wouldn't ever know unless like someone showed it to you or you heard it from someone else that they were told. And it, another part about that I I think I get what you're saying is because like I feel like in a lot of movies where you have teenagers being played by people who are definitely not teenagers Mm -hmm. it's almost like as well as casting them by people who are much older some of like the language that's written for them is just experiences that teenagers like don't have like teenagers aren't like I mean, like, I'm a senior in high school, and all the time I'll be watching movies where there are people playing seniors in high school, and I'm like, wow, that's supposed to be my age. That guy's definitely 10 years older than me. But it's also, like, teenagers aren't, I don't want to say, like, having that much sex, but, like, they're not, like, like, experienced enough. Like, we're all still just a bunch of kids. Like, we're not, we can't talk about things like that because, like. I just thought that was yeah I thought that was odd like that as as a teenager you would be like worried about your worried about that aspect of your sexual reputation obviously there are a lot of concerns with your sexual reputation and unfair expectations for men versus women and and all of that is still true I'm not saying that that wasn't true back then but the idea that part of it would be well if everybody knows I'm having sex I at least want them to know I'm really good at it (laughs) That just seems, I don't ever remember having that concern or my friends having that concern. I, I, I think it's more, I think the, the film tries to illustrate just how, how little agencies th- these girls have in their lives. Like, you know, not only does Sarah get labeled as she's, she's slut shamed, but also she's not even good at it. Like it's, 
I think it just it's another mm. you know example of sure. just how little control these girls have on their lives, how people perceive them, how they look at them, how they talk about them. And that part rings true for me that, you yeah. know, like that's that was high school for me. Someone can say something about you and it will define you even though it has no relevancy to you. So the words themselves, I, I agree. It's a little like maybe maybe not the most on point, but I think on the broader scheme of the film, it's it's that this is, you know, a popular, attractive young male in high school he can literally say whatever he wants about her he can both you know slut shame her and make it sound like she's bad at 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 something she doesn't even want to probably be good at at this point and that's Mm -hmm. she has no agency in that she has no ability to respond to that because she's powerless yeah and we and we see that 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 immediately impacts the way she's perceived in school immediately it influences what her life in this new place is going to be like and then we kind of see on the flip side that uh, apparently he did something really similar to one of the other main characters, Nancy, in the past. Um, we don't know exactly what all the details were. Something happened or didn't happen between them, and he talked about it at school. And uh, the result is that she is also ostracized and remains so well, as a result. And I think that they do like a like you know there's uh, one of my favorite scenes are when they're working on like the glamours where they change their physical appearances mm-hmm. i think that that you know you kind of put those two like thoughts next to each other and it's like being able to control how people see you being able to sure like control how like how people perceive you it's like something that they it's that simple of a thing that i'm like you know i don't think young women get in their lives i think you don't you don't have even power over over your own content your own self how people read mm-hmm. you yeah I mean, I think a big part of this movie and all the other teen movies of this era, like some of the ones we were talking about earlier, a lot of them do focus on like women and struggles that girls face Mm -hmm. in high school, just because I feel like there's a lot more to go into there, just because I feel like at times it can be a lot more difficult for people who identify as women going through high school than men. I mean, it's different struggles, but there's a lot more to go into when you're talking about women having to grow up and I think it's just another part of like these are such powerful women and it's a the movie is all about their power and how they're seen as bad because that's what they want or what they have but also like something as trivial as some guy saying they had sex and that it wasn't good in high school can have such an effect on them because that's such a big part of your life when you're in high school, what everyone thinks of you. Mm-hmm. Even if you have something so much bigger going on, even if you have this thing that you want and you have that you're passionate about and it's your like power, mm-hmm. it can be made to feel less because of something as small as that. Sure. Well, and I think you see similar struggles with the other main characters. Um, with, with both of them, I think it's a little more overt. It's easier to see what their problems and what the, what their fighting against are with uh uh bonnie she has had some sort of uh trauma occur in her past where she now has scars on her body she was in in some sort of burn accident or something and so she feels that she has no physical beauty and uh, and we know i mean i don't think it is groundbreaking for us to say that women are judged by all people not just women everyone is judged by their physical beauty especially in high school and uh, then Rochelle, the other main character, uh, confronts racism very 
overt, obvious racism yeah. in school. Um, and uh, and both of them are, are left feeling powerless as a result and wanting to reclaim some sort of agency over their lives because it's, you know, it's depriving them of that, these circumstances. Um, and then they do th- so through magic. Right. It's, it's interesting, though, because the two main characters, uh, well, I mean, I guess they're all four main characters, but the, the two kind of like the main protagonist antagonist becomes Nancy and Sarah. Because ultimately, even though they start out on this journey together, all four of them cast spells kind of with what they want most. Um, and Sarah's spell actually is kind of, in the grand scheme of things, is kind of a small one. Like she, she asked for this giant thing at first, the ability to love herself. That's a huge thing. So that's, I don't mean that. That's a giant thing because we know about Sarah's history that she has obviously struggled with depression and has actually attempted suicide in the past. Um, that's already that's already been established. So she asks for self-love, which is a giant ask. And then she asks for the boy she likes to fall in love with her. Wow. <laughs> which is such a, I mean, it, it's like the dichotomy of that. It's such a, it, it's very, I mean, I think it's true. I think it's very true to the, the, the age that they're supposed to be, to well, be asking I mean, for something yeah. like that. I'm sure if you asked a bunch of teenagers in high school, you have magical powers, what's one thing you want? They're not going to say something like life-changing, world-changing, like mm-hmm. big event, like that will make everything good in the world, or that will make them like a, an amazing person that does good things. Like it'll be like, I want to graduate. Like I want school to be over. I want this boy to like me. I want this girl to like me. Like I want to not be in my gym class anymore yeah like because i mean like we said earlier when you're in high school your world is high school so mm-hmm. i think connecting it back to things like that is important because then if like those aren't the main concerns of the main characters then it's not believable that they're in high school and teenagers as well and, and it's funny because that's that's kind of what gets them into trouble ultimately is sarah asks for this boy she likes to like her and then this obviously goes he he becomes obsessed with her dangerously so um which culminates in a scene where he actually attempts to rape her uh and we have the uh Rochelle in- initially asks her her spell is for the power not to hate those who hate her which again is like amazing giant huge thing to ask um and then that kind of evolves into punishment for those who hate her right which i th- I think we're led to believe she feels bad about later yeah mm-hmm. yeah well because that's which, her ask and i think then the spell itself is that as long as those people that are you know racist against her leave her alone nothing will happen to them but they continue to be jerk faces and so bad things happen right and then uh obviously what bonnie wants is for her scars to go away and she and, and again she she starts off with this abu- this ability to feel beautiful on the outside as well as the inside, which again is a giant ask. And then it, it kind of, they all turn into something a lot more uh, physical and immediate. And that tends to be their undoing, which is like a powerful message in and of itself. Asking for these big, important truths. Those are the quests we go on in life anyway, magical or otherwise. Asking for small things to happen, you know, vengeful things physical things those are the things that those quests get us into trouble more often i think the idea of like immediate gratification or like 
receiving some sort of proof that what they're asking for is there immediately is kind of like when you're a teenager you want everything to happen for you right now right like you aren't able to think far enough into the future to think down that journey of like i want to be able to love myself that's not going to happen like right now Mm -hmm. so i'm going to get a boy to like me you want something like that that's more immediate and can happen right now to kind of validate what you're wanting because you aren't able to see far enough into the future to think about like that taking a while and that not being something that can happen just when you wish for it to or fixing all your problems right. yeah uh, that's i mean <coughs> you know you don't really get what nancy's ask is because she just says but i want all of the power of manon to take into me like she doesn't ask something specific she uh-huh like they they kind of joke about making guesses about it but you don't like that's the one thing you know like she doesn't have a teen ask she doesn't have like Mm-mm. Hers is far more like just power in general. And I don't think, I think it's played as the first sign of sort of, oh no, she's going to be the bad one. But really it's kind of the least self-serving of all the all the quests that everything that happens, you know, it has the, I mean, I guess it does have detr- detrimental effects with her stepfather. Um, she mm-hmm. causes him to have a heart attack so he, they can collect <laughs> insurance and she can move into a nice apartment. That's, that's a subplot. But, uh, it is it is sort of interesting compared to the other ones very specific once that Nancy kind of doesn't know what she wants even she just knows she wants power and and when she gets the initial you know it, she her and her mother are elevated out of poverty from this insurance money that they get and she has more social power I think you could make the argument at that point um, she's still not satisfied yeah and I think you get the sense that she's never going to be satisfied. There's, there's not like going to Hamilton. be an enough, huh? Just like Hamilton. There you go, just like Hamilton. <laughs> but, um, and her and her and Sarah are, are both seeking a very similar thing. You know, I think you could make the argument that both of them seem to battle depression. Yeah. And that both of them are trying to find a way to love and accept themselves, and accept their own power, have it, and not need to um, use others as a way to demonstrate it. With Sarah, it's by being loved by someone else as a vehicle for loving herself. And with Nancy, it's making other people suffer as a way to alleviate her own suffering. I think it's, it's two sides of the same coin. Right. Yeah. Neither of them are able to look inside because they're both so busy looking outside. Well, and that, this, that's kind of the, the dichotomy where the movie, I, I love this movie, but it does kind of sour for me is that, you know, the reason that the, the two come head to head is that Sarah decides to bind Nancy and the reason she decides to do that is because Nancy uh kills the horrible rapist what's his name in a fit of rage Chris yes uh and she does it on Sarah's behalf and you know I obviously know murder is bad but like you know you give a teenage girl power and you have that sort of situation occur like uh I don't like it Nancy was acting on Sarah's behalf and that's the thing that sort of draws the wedge between them and it, 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 it yeah you know that that given power to act out on people that that so commonly act out on young you know female-bodied people like is that is is that the moment she became evil because I don't I don't see that as an evil act that she did pure and simple it- yeah, it's it's hard because you're right in the sense that, like, uh, speaking very directly, I mean, she murdered someone, so. 
you know, that's bad. But <laughs> but you're right. On Like metaphorically speaking, I think that if you look at this as the way teenage girls tend to interact with each other, we are we are pit against each other. We are not allowed to all be on the same team and supportive of each other. There are lots of systems in place, not just in high school, but for the rest of your life that tell you there's only enough room for one woman or two women or whatever. There, there's a, there's a only enough room for so many of you. Right. And so fight for it and prove you're the best and undermine each other and, and find ways to not just succeed, but hurt the other women around you to make sure that you're the first. Um, I think that, that it's very much about that. And then when you see the other two kind of fall in behind Nancy and do whatever she says, well, that rings very true for me. I mean, how many times is that the case in high school where there's really one kind of antagonistic person, but there's a lot of followers because it's easier than standing in the way. Um, and, and it is a very unsatisfying thing because it's not what we want. Is it true? Unfortunately, maybe it does happen. But what we'd love to see is these four women who have found their power through each other to find a way to solve this problem with each other to come together and to help Nancy control herself and her power and use it in a positive way and that's really the thing is that when Nancy kind of goes dark it's in response to Sarah trying to take her power from her for the first time in her life she has agency she has the ability to to achieve things she wants to raise herself out of her crappy situation and you know that obviously they'd be they'd all be more powerful if they were all united as one but that's the thing that that starts the breakdown is that this power that they all lacked in their lives and wanted now now they have it and sarah's threatening to take it away from her now granted for Mm -hmm. perfectly logical reasons but you, you know you can't She's not she's not one of those nice clean villains that we can just love to hate. Like you you can't not right. feel bad for her. Right. And I, and I think it's fair to say that the ending of the movie is not not the best on multiple levels. Um Nancy ends up not succeeding in killing Sarah. That would be a strange ending for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then she just goes on to be like a a bad awesome witch like rules the world. I don't know. <laughs> follow that fan fiction (laughs) um but uh sarah fights her off and nancy ends up in a psychiatric hospital uh there is no explanation as to what happened in the interim has she been accused of murder why'd she get there why is she there there? is it because sarah said hey by the way she killed chris just so you know i like what has happened why is she in a psychiatric hospital and not jail and why is she in a psychiatric hospital when what she's saying is i have magical powers i'm a witch we have an entire movie that has demonstrated to us that this is so yeah she's not making it up she can totally show you right now yeah definitely is and now and now we have punished her so to speak by making her seek psychiatric treatment which is uh, such a draconian old view of psych hospitals and mental health and the way that we treat people when they when they i mean i mean first of all she's not crazy to believe these things about witchcraft because they're real yeah i mean if you think about like a symbolic way she's punished and made to be isolated because she's different and because her difference has kind of led her to want a power for herself and mm-hmm. we're kind of taught to believe that wanting power for yourself is a bad thing right and that you should want to use this power 
to give it to others and use it for a, a greater good and you shouldn't want that for yourself because that's selfish and if you do things to get that for yourself then you're a bad person and, I, and that's kind of her punishment for that and not showing that like sometimes like wanting to be a powerful person is not a bad thing yeah she did kill someone but like mm-hmm. you know well and I, I hate that trope and that's what I love the movie but you know that's something yeah. that we grow up with like Disney feeds it to you like Evil queens have magical powers. Good princesses don't have any. Like, yeah. I, you know, like, oh, Sarah was born with this power, but her struggle is to learn to control it and use it for good. Nancy craves it and wants it and seeks it, and so she's punished for it because you can have it, but, like, you know, keep it to yourself. Like, if you, if you, sure. if you want power for power's sake, then you're definitely evil. And, I mean, that's definitely not just a gendered stereotype, but I think we do get far more often... The, the dichotomy of the evil queen with power, the innocent princess without some. And I'm I'm a little little sick of that trope. So basically what I'm hearing is Sarah is Rapunzel, who's born with magical hair and must learn to use it for good. Yes. And Nancy is Mother Gothel, who tries to take it and use it for bad. See, what I was thinking was that Sarah was born with this power, but she must learn to conceal. Don't feel. Don't, oh, feel. Right. Don't let it show. <laughs> yeah. Well, you but know, either, no, I think I think you're right. And I think that the that I hopefully today you would not see that depiction of whether we believe that underneath it all, Nancy also does have mental illness or not. You would not see that depiction of mental illness or a psychiatric hospital or the attempt to treat that or certainly any of this used as punishment. I mean, all of that is hopefully something that we've evolved beyond since the 90s. I hope. Hmm. I hope. They don't still depict that, do they? I don't think so. That's not how teenagers view, uh, uh, you know. That's uh, that's very outdated. Also, in case no one was aware, The Craft, the musical, was workshopped three years ago. And there are four clips of songs from that workshop on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know. So you can check that out. How I feel that that never came to be. But like, I don't... I, I mean, I, I don't go to, like, a lot of normal musicals. I go to those where I'm like, what? Someone made this? I need that ticket. Like, the the re... Uh, like, they, they did a revival of Carrie uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, Had to see that. Yeah. Evil Dead, the musical. Heather's, the musical. Heather's, these, the musical, is one of my favorite musicals. These were all great musicals. And these are the... I don't see, like, popular stuff. I see the stuff that I'm like, how did they do well, that? I have to know. <laughs> well, except for Hamilton. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. That's, <laughs> but you know if you said so it's alexander hamilton with rap i'm like okay cool i'm on board <laughs> yeah there you go yeah. there you go it still fits it just things. did way yeah. better um if if you haven't seen this movie you really should just let me just say that again if for no other reason i mean it's if you're from this time period that taylor and i are from <laughs> it it really it, like the music the atmosphere the giant landline phones that they're all talking on also, just you can connect with that the fashion. Yeah, and just Farouche Balk. I'm sorry, like that's just yes. Of all, like if I think of like who is the like my number one like teen most attractive crush of all time, I think it's just Farouche Balk in the craft. Like I don't know anybody that looked at her and wasn't just like you're amazing in a thousand ways. Farouche Balk, her performance is amazing. You may remember her from Return to Oz, probably not, but uh, <laughs> but she in... she puts in an amazing performance. Yeah. Um, and Robin Tooney's in it, and she's great, and Rachel True and Nev Campbell before she was the one of the most famous teens ever, I guess. Before she was screamed? Was she screamed at this point? It, 
I don't know if she had been screamed. She was party of five. Okay. I think this was right um, pre-screamed. Okay. I think this was pre-screamed. Um, but it, but it's an excellent movie, and, and I would recommend it. As would I. Problematic, well, good. but good. Yes. Yes. Uh, if you can overlook those those parts of it, except it for the time in which it is placed, it is a good movie. Um, and they used real animals. So all those snakes in the one scene with all the snakes, they're really there. Yeah. So think about that. Which made that your scene nightmares. like, yeah, eternally more creepy for me because those were all real snakes. And uh, they use real spells. Yep. Riley told us. I didn't know that. I did. So uh, thank you, sisters. Thanks for watching The Craft again. Yeah, anytime. All the time. <laughs> uh, I hope everybody, uh, thank you for listening. I hope you have a very happy Halloween. Um, if you celebrate a Halloween. spooky Halloween. <laughs> a very spooky Halloween, I guess. Uh, go, go find please. your sisters and call the corners. Yeah. Yeah. And just um, be careful. If you take in all the power of man own, don't, you know, don't kill anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, please check out uh, MaximumFun.org for a lot of other wonderful podcasts on our network. You can also email us at stillbuffering at MaximumFun.org if you have thoughts or suggestions or topics for us to talk about. Uh, you can tweet at us at stillbuff. And uh, thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby, You Change Your Mind. This has been Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am a teenager. And I was Hey there, folks. I'm writer and performer Dave Holmes, and I host International Waters, where we pair a team of comedians in L.A. against a team of comedians in London in a pop culture trivia battle royale. Comedians like Jimmy Pardo. My Aunt Pat for Christmas once got me a uh, candelabra, you you know, for my collection. (laughs) And my brother said, I didn't know you collected candelabras. And I went, I do. I now have one. (laughs) Bill Dwyer. Bob Barker's turning over in his almost grave right now. He's very much us. <laughs> and many more. Join us every other week on International Waters with me, Dave Holmes. Find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.